Hello and welcome to the official Building Your Business podcast series presented by Archer Gallon Redshaw Chartered Accountants. Our firm has launched this podcast series to help simplify some of the complex challenges that occur when owning and operating a business and to assist business owners to better understand the inner workings of their organisation, regardless of which industry you operate within. Every month, we'll be releasing a new episode featuring special guests from industry, as well as Archie Gallen Redshaw directors Ian Walker, Smilian Jankovic, and Valda Glynn to provide their commentary on a variety of business management topics alongside expertise surrounding accounting, taxation, and business strategy. Welcome to our podcast series, Building Your Business. Hello and welcome. My name is Chris Lewis and you're listening to the Building Your Business podcast presented by Archie Gallen Redshaw Chartered Accountants. For today's episode, I'm joined by very special guest, Jonathan Marrell, Director and Principal of NB Lawyers, alongside AGR Managing Director, Smilian Jankovic. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Throughout today's episode, both Jonathan and Smilian will be speaking to the legal and HR considerations for workplaces uh, to think about, especially in today's new world. Um, We'll be given particular uh, focus to the effects of working from home on workplaces, performance management in today's new workplace world, and what that looks like, and then the overall after effects of COVID-19 on the workplace. Together, each will provide a practical discussion on how to implement best practice policies and procedures to support business owners in today's new workplace working world and provide employers with an understanding of employment law considerations with regards to how COVID-19 impacted the workplace as well. So once again, welcome, Jonathan. Welcome, Smoyan. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks and welcome to Jonathan. Yeah. As some background, Jonathan is a director and principal of NB Lawyers, a leading employment and commercial law uh, specialist firm in Brisbane. Throughout his career, Jonathan has advised clients on all aspects of employment law, including enterprise agreements, collective bargaining and interpretation of modern awards. His wealth of experience has seen Jonathan represent clients on general protections, discrimination matters, as well as advice on restructures, redundancies, and as we say, uh, performance management, which we'll speak about today. Uh, Jonathan provides himself on addressing employment law issues and partnering with human resource practitioners, uh, formulating practical legal strategies and advice in the best interests of his clients. Outside of the firm, he also sits on a number of uh, boards, uh, for not-for-profit organisations and is a member of the Australasian Interim Executive Association as well. <laughs> so a bit of an introduction there. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I guess just before we start, um, if you wouldn't mind giving a little bit of insight into NB Lawyers and the type of work you're doing there and, um, yeah, I guess a bit more on um, employment law in that respect. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, so um, I'm a director here at uh, MB Lawyers. We're the lawyers for employers. I, in particular, head the employment law team. Um, our focus is in the uh, manufacturing, uh, health, uh, councils and professional services space. Uh, we probably focus on probably three areas in particular, or sorry, four areas in particular, employment law, commercial law, property law and uh, immigration law as well. So as I say, we'll, we'll probably get sort of started on the, on the topic today and the first question that I have is going to be surrounding the overall legal and HR um, considerations with regards to employment law, especially in um, in today's environment, which is obviously a, a new world following um, the, the impacts of COVID over the last couple of years. So what are some of those considerations that employers now need to think of in, in today's environment, especially with regards to workplace health and safety and workplace, working from home, um, you know, modern policies, um, modern awards, and then the, the changing effects for um, casual employees as well? 
Yeah, thanks, Chris. There's, there's actually quite a number of uh, issues that are coming up that are quite prevalent. Um, it sort of focuses on two main problems in the workplace, which is retention and recruitment. Uh, because of that, we're having um, massive problems with, for example, workplace bullying complaints, we're having an increase in unfair dismissal and, and general protections applications that uh, our clients are having to defend. Um, we've got a number of problems with uh, underpayment of wages or inadvertent underpayment of wages and also some some issues around generally the management of, of and I don't necessarily mean it by management of just um, not meeting a KPI or a standard and no follow-up or process. Uh, that's one part. It's definitely a big one. But also the pressures that uh, the inability to recruit um, staff to replace roles yep. has placed on teams. Um, the inability for managers to manage that, um, whether it's because of lack of capability or, or skills, um, different circumstances, work from home has, has brought that as well, and also potentially the promotion or even uh, keeping people who potentially don't have that capability. And so usually you'd, you'd fix that up by training, yep. Yep. for example, to increase their experience. But a lot of organisations don't really have that time. And so what we're seeing is this melting pot of a number of problems, and it's going to manifest in some type of way. So most of the time it happens with resignations. Mm-hmm. Um, so key personnel in particular are, um, we're seeing resign. Um, we're also seeing a lot of work cover claims, so illness, uh, injury. Uh, and then we're also seeing just uh, complaints just increase uh, markedly. So just a interesting statistic for our clients that we just anecdotally we asked them what's what's been happening and since December uh, last year uh, there's been an increase of double complaints of, of workplace complaints now that's bullying harassment there's a number of, of complaints that are made but that's a pretty market increase uh, so is, I guess um, I mean this been this has been a problem I guess even pre-covid but you think that it's kind of escalated more and more uh, post-COVID uh, in, in current environment as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we had these issues prior to COVID, absolutely, but it's definitely escalated, and I think the issues are much more significant. Yeah. So instead of, say, a middle manager who would just resign, okay, um, because of, of the circumstance put in, maybe they're under-resourced, for example, Instead, companies are trying to resource those positions. They are trying to get people in, but they just can't do it. So it's not necessarily a lack of trying, but the person is still resigning or potentially it manifests in, say, a mental illness or something like that. Sure. And so that's why you're seeing a lot more of these types of issues come up. Great. Um, I suppose, yeah, uh, post-COVID-19 has you know, shown that you know, employees have embraced a lot of different ways of strategies. But, yeah, during the COVID-19, uh, we saw a lot of pressures on businesses, whether small or large businesses, and implementing working from home policies. So what are the sort of challenges that employees had um, when implementing working from home policies, whether they're on the long-term or hybrid sort yep. of way? So what do you see the challenges and impacts on the businesses? Yeah, good question. Um, so work from home and, and um, remote work – is not a, not a new issue or it's not a new thing. Uh, however, um, a lot of organisations were forced to deal with it during COVID. Now, you heard stories and, and we definitely saw clients, you know, running around trying to get laptops and cameras. I mean, they were, the, you know, they were really rare back then, right? Of course, you had this massive issue. Um, but that was just like uh, a manifestation of 
what was happening. Yep. And they created a couple of problems. So one, you had issues around confidentiality, intellectual property, um, just uh, cyber, cyber risk. That was a bit, bit of an issue. Yep. Uh, another one was definitely workplace and health and safety. So there was a lot of uh, self-assessment of risk in the workplace in, in the <clears throat> in the in the home office. Home office yeah. The other other issues, which is probably the more prevalent one, which is the personal issues. So a lot of the personal issues became uh, much more um, enshrined or uh, exposed. So you had a lot of issues around people who, who were going through divorce um, as a result of, of the circumstances. Yep. And, of course, even simple things like uh, having children um, at home Correct. as well. Yep. So that caused a, a number of problems for employers having to deal with that all at the same time. So a lot of HR, in particular internal HR managers, had to deal with that all at the same time. Whilst also trying to upskill the management teams to try and manage those workforces, sure. easier for if you're managing, say, a workforce of salespeople, you have metrics and KPIs. A little bit more difficult if you're trying to manage an admin team, for example. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, um, I suppose uh, in terms of those challenges that um, have been, you know, faced uh, from employees and employees, uh, I guess uh, there were some sort of pros as well in, in terms of working from home and um, it is a, probably the the new uh, uh, way of doing the business, I guess, uh, in future because a lot of um, employees are sort of taking on those flexible flexible approach from the employees, employers um, because sometimes people perceive that, you know, there's a less stress, you know, working from home, they spend more time with the families. So I know that different um, ways are impacted from different, from different perspective for different yeah. employers. So how do you see from that side, you know, from, from the brighter side, working from home? Um, mm. um, it's been a recruitment and retention strategy yeah. implemented by organisations. Um, some have seen... Uh, productivity increases. Uh, some have had stability in productivity. Some have seen decline in productivity. Um, there's definitely positives in terms of um, being able to employ more generally. So, for example, you're not uh, stuck in the local market. Right. You can go to a wider pool, uh, talent pool, especially if you're in, say, professional services. You can go out to, say, um, interstate, uh, potentially even international as well. Right. So that opened up definitely a number of horizons. Um, there has been some weaknesses in, say, for example, things like workplace culture. Um, that's been uh, an issue trying to uh, get over that step. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Kind, of, kind of that culture, kind of, it's kind of spread. It's not kind of, it's not melted down. So it's Correct. not as strong as the, the office culture, you call it, yeah. Correct. And, and, and lots of organisations, especially in the tech, tech, technology space, have, have dealt with this uh, quite well. Um, with you know um, uh, regular get-togethers and, and and things like that, but even with that, um, the ability to be uh, hanging out in person, um, I think has now there's there's, this, there's a treasuring of that by organisations, and, and how can they do that which is safe? Because you know yes, we're over all, all the big parts of COVID, at least the the really dangerous parts of COVID as an illness. But people are still getting sick. Yep. So it is still wiping out um, certain teams uh, if, 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 if you are just like any other illness. So um, how do you do that 
that's safe? How do you do it? Have you, how do you bring people back into the office where it's actually of some benefit, um, that you can actually see the benefit? Um, it, it is a, for some organisation, this will be a much tougher sell than others. Yeah. yeah. And how do you see the best new practice of management of HR and employment law going forward? What, what I'm seeing is um, dealing with a hybrid, a lot of hybrid workplaces. Sure. So a, a mix of both um, at home, working uh, remote and also in, in, uh, in the office, having set structures. So if, if teams or people or certain people are going to come in only on a Thursday and Friday, that's stuck to, for example. Um, so having some type of regular routine around that, that's been one way that's been dealt with. Another way has been um, doing it in, say, red, red and blue teams, so or um, A and B teams, but red and blue teams, I'll stick with that, yeah. uh, where you have you know, certain teams will come in. So even if there is an effect on one team, let's say people get sick, then it do- hopefully doesn't affect the other teams. That was more prevalent when COVID had a lot more restrictions sure. um, from, from the government, but it's still relevant in terms of, of health. So that's been one part also changes in in contracts and changes in policies as well um, and then the training or um, I suppose high level training for managers in particular to manage performance not just from that standards perspective or KPIs perspective but yep. also from the perspective of dealing with people who are working from home who have got obviously other personal um, issues going on in their life yep. who potentially are struggling with some type of mental illness that has been something that's been quite prevalent, that training education um, and, and focusing on that. Just referring to what Smullyan said earlier about how the pandemic accelerated the work from home policies and bringing them in. Um, I mean, you speak with HR managers and, and business owners is quite a lot, I mm-hmm. imagine. Was there any indication that if there hadn't been the pandemic that it might have sort of accelerated as well? Was it something that they were thinking about before everything happened? They were, but uh, um, a couple of things. One, the support from, say, board members or even executive teams probably wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, Some potential was a generational issue, especially in certain industries as well, uh, professional services in particular. That's one. Uh, two, um, there was still a stigma attached to it, um, even though there shouldn't be, but there was. Yeah. Um, and, and three as well, we probably didn't have the retention and recruitment issues that we have now. So it, that might fix itself up with international borders opening up a bit more and migration coming in. That might help a little bit more with maybe some interstate um, people be, you know, adding to the talent pool. But still, we are still we, it's much worse than it was back then uh, a couple of years ago. So combining all that it probably wouldn't have technology might have played a part but yeah. it probably wouldn't traverse as as fast as it was but the thing is with this pandemic it forced everyone yeah. absolutely even 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 those who conceivably really can't work from home you know if you take hospitality even they were forced to do something um you, you know there, there's organizations that were forced to do it um and i think all organizations were forced to at least do something sure regards to working from yeah. home yeah, particularly when the lockdowns were yeah. correct under. Yeah. And if you think about Melbourne and Sydney in particular, uh, Brisbane to a lesser extent, but Melbourne and, and Sydney, um, it, they were completely forced into it. 
you know, e- even if you, th- if you talk about building, building and and um, construction companies, yes, the the labourers and the builders were able to get onto site, you know, with all types of issues about testing and everything else. But the back background crew, the support crew, had to work from home. So you still, even those organisations were forced to deal with it. Yeah. So the answer is, it definitely wouldn't have accelerated as fast if every organisation wasn't forced to do it. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, all these changes that you know impacted every single business, whether small or large. Uh, have influenced the businesses to review their policies and procedures as Correct. well and I suppose then put more policies uh, to inform staff and uh, of uh, requirements and obligations uh, from both uh, fair work and employment, work health and safety. So um, how do you see from your perspective, um, has that been, have you been engaged in much in those uh, policies and procedures we write? And Being a lot of policy review, policy development, um, organizations uh, if you think about organizations that aren't, aren't necessarily forced into developing a lot of policies procedures so you know manufacturing in particular say health a lot of them have to put in tenders yep. you know uh, for say government work for example as an example but some organizations say professional services don't aren't necessarily forced into that situation so it has asked the question what do you have what you have in place, and how will you roll it out. So easy ones, of course, codes of conduct and workplace health and safety and working from home, yeah. sure, that's been looked at. But even even ones such as, say, like social media policies, yeah. you know, a lot of people are going to be on social media a lot more. So what's appropriate, you know, reminding, uh, ensuring that, that their employees know what it, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um even simple things like what to dress up in yeah. in Zoom meetings and, and, and Teams meetings. Very simple stuff that you think, okay, pretty much common sense should dictate you should do this, but that's what policy is there for. Mm-hmm. That policy is there, for, there to take away the idea of common sense because, as we know, sometimes common sense doesn't prevail. Great. And especially, you know, another one that we really faced a lot in employing a new putting a new uh, person in, in yep. as part of your team. So you have to change all your policies because you've been faced with all these work-from-home policies. So yeah. a person coming into the business needs to be sort of embracing all these new changes, need to know and learn before they start working for employee employer. Um, uh, so the new policies have been really rewritten for that particular side, yeah. It, that's, been, that's an interesting point because uh, new staff coming in um, when... Uh, you know the the team are in lockdown yep. or the work. You know most of the team are work, working from home. That's been a difficult process. Um, so you, you know you have say HR teams running orientations fully on Zoom. People who haven't met their colleagues face to face at all, and you're trying to integrate them into into a, into your company. You know policies and processes are really on the gateway in there. Correct. Um, so if you don't have um, decent ones put in place, then how how does the employee understand what are, what are the actual standards without actually being in the in the physical it's office? Yeah. Because n- naturally, if you're physically in the office, you probably get an idea of what's the appropriate boundaries and standards. But at the very least, then you can go, well, here are the standards that that everyone abides by, and we agree to. So you spoke about um, you know, retention and recruitment of staff. Uh, the number of workplace policies coming into play and, and things like that. Would you say that there's other trends that 
came about as a result of the pandemic from a HR and employment law point of view as well? Yeah. During this pandemic, we dealt with you know, JobKeeper and job, keep, um, job seeker and stand downs and suspensions. And we deal with a whole pile of, you know, um, can, can someone, um, you know, be forced to be vaccinated? All these, these, these really uh, tricky questions that in, in, in due respect to um, the regulators didn't really have an answer, or at least didn't have an answer quick enough sure. for employers. Yep. Okay. And so we had to advise clients all the way through that in an area where it wasn't necessarily tested. Now, we've got a lot of case law now that's tested a lot of those issues. Mm-hmm. So a number of those issues have sort of gone by the wayside. But as a result of that, what we're now seeing is an increase in general protections claims, unfit dismissal claims, discrimination claims, and workplace bullying claims. Okay. Th- those are your big four at the moment. And, and probably the other one that's sort of lurking in the background is workers' compensation claims. But... You take those five in particular, that's where a lot of claims are coming in because they're manifesting out. So you've dealt with all the, the tough issues of vaccinations, for sure. example, or return to the office or flexible workplaces, all those types of really tough decisions have been made, restructures and redundancies. That's all been made, so now it's a result of those. Like what's, what's actually going to happen? Because a lot of organisations pushed out the decision-making to late, la- late last year, early this year, and now we're seeing the result of those decisions, yeah. Okay. And it's going to be, it's going to come down to have they done the right thing? Have they, you know, followed procedural fairness, natural justice, got the policy in place? Um, have they followed a, a process, like a show cause process, to go through all that termination? Because if they haven't, then those claims that be made yep. will be successful. Okay. Yep. Or, or there'll be um, greater liability. Size of business, does that also play an impact on that? Is it? Are you finding that it's larger organisations or is it more smaller businesses, mixture of both? It's a mixture of all. Um, and, and I'm talking about government and councils as well, all the way down to, you know, a retail retail chain that, you know, just missed a few steps in the process. Yeah. Trying to get new people in, the person that they had in place simply wasn't doing their job properly, wasn't performing, they just didn't, didn't do it quite right. But because it's mixed in with... COVID vaccinations and a few other things, it does muddy the waters. And so this pandemic, what it's done, it's also hid quite a few issues around performance as well. So people who were naturally not performing, um, not necessarily misconduct, like if you've engaged in theft or something like that, you know, unless you've done the investigation wrong or haven't done an investigation, you know, that's that's relatively straightforward. Yep. <clears throat> but performance, yeah, that's that's been still a big issue. Also, speaking of the performance, uh, Mm. basically, do you know what sort of metrics have been put in place or implemented by the employers or or larger firms or smaller firms that you think would work in terms of managing that sort of uh, employee work? Good good question. So for the ones where it's a little bit easier, uh, where it's uh, revenue-based, for example, sales or professional services or consultants, that's pretty easy. Okay, so you either... You know, although it's not the major, it's not the only metric. It's the major metric. Yeah, um, you know, are you making budget? Those types of things. Um, so that's quite simple. Um, then other things come into play, such as you know, client complaints, for example, or um, you know, uh, the, the the standard of work, etc. Where it's been a lot more difficult is in areas where areas of the of the companies where it's not as easy to measure. So, like, an easy one is administration staff, yeah. right? So, 
in particular, if you're face-to-face in the office, you can see if someone is doing quite well, not quite well. You yeah. can potentially measure from how many calls they're making, but it's still quite flimsy metrics. So that's been a real difficulty for some organisations. And what it's led to is an assessment or an audit of those uh, particular divisions yeah. um, and also an audit of, of management teams, of what they're actually doing. Um, now, what that's, what that's, what's, what's happened because of that is there has been some benefit. So you're able to streamline your teams, make it more efficient, do all those types of stuff. But also um, it's amalgamated some positions. So potentially the person you had in that position may I need to either upskill or um, you need to bring someone else. So maybe you don't need a an um, you know office manager. Maybe you need a more of a HR manager. HR manager yeah. You know, did you see a lot of that? You know, yes, a lot of, um, you know, administration staff moving into that HR. Yeah, so you saw a lot of of situations where you had admin moving to HR, but you also had situations where people were pushed into positions where they potentially didn't have the capability yet. Mm-hmm. Now, not to say that they wouldn't get it. It's just that they didn't have the capability yet because organisations were forced to do so, because they didn't have ready-made replacements ready to go to put in there. And so some of it turned out well, some of it didn't turn out well. Um, And also mix into that, trying to deal with a different environment. It's not, you know, you're not the HR manager, for example, of an organisation of 50 people where they're all in the office and you see them every day. You're now in a situation where you see 20 people every day and a third of them are working from home, and it's a bit harder to, to, to manage. Yeah, especially with, with the technology, as you said, me- mentioned earlier, uh, that played a big part as well, where that collaboration and communication between sort of manag- management team and, and employee was much better, but it still there was always a missing, cl- missing link, even though you've embraced those technologies such as, you know, Zoom or Teams and, you know, different way of communicating. Um, I feel there's a still a lot of a mismanagement, yeah. um, but I suppose there's a trust that comes down to you know trusting employees, especially working from home, that you can't really oversee what person is doing. When someone's in the office, yep. you can see that they're physically there. They go to the toilet and then no muck around. So you don't know if <laughs> a person that you wanted to talk about just suddenly went to the toilet and you just had a perception that yep. you know he's not working or yep. she, uh, you know. So that's that's a bit of a you know, a bit of a challenging yep. part. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess um, communication play a big part in, in this work from home and performance measures uh, from our perspective. It's a really good point because there was there's definitely software out there that you can, you know, check on what staff are doing and everything like that. But um, we had a, we had a one case where a, a client, their, their, their employee's mouse was moving and what they found out was that there was this thing that this guy bought off eBay where it would just wiggle the mouse every couple, you know. You know, yes, anecdotal, and yes, uh, hopefully you'd you think that that's only, you know, the very minority. Um, but that that's the thing. It, it, those things were happening. Or um, use, use the kids, you know, ask them to play on a, on a board, yeah. board document. Yeah. <laughs> just play on that, do that for a while. While the mum's cooking and, yeah. Oh, look. That's, that, that's true. I mean, and and you, you did... You did so not only did we hear about it, but we actually saw it. Yeah. We actually saw it with our clients where they were dealing with, you know, silly situations where they not they, they wouldn't have to deal with that situation. Yeah, I guess, you know, Normal. working from home, that there was such a, you know, having that dealing with the noise, you know, especially with yes. the kids or 
neighbours or there's a working in that surrounding area or it just that probably impacted employees' performance as well. Um, well, the stats actually show that there was performance increase right at the start. Yeah. So at the start, there was a huge productivity increase. Then it tailored off yeah. and then dropped. The, 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 there's just a recent case just recently came out um, involving a real estate uh, real estate um, employee who said that she, uh, they could work uh, work from home and they wanted to work from home and didn't see why they, they shouldn't ha- should come back into the office. Now there was certain reasons why they want to come back into the office, but yeah. mostly because they were there to do inspections. So you know, doing re- remote inspections all the time is not necessarily what they were paid to do, right? Yeah. And this is the this is the key point. Employers, especially during the pandemic, were able to adapt and say, okay, you're doing that job, let's say inspections, okay? You're doing okay, you're doing your best, there's some virtual inspections. Okay, that's fine. But that's not optimal, right? That's not the optimal way we hope this 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 company would work, right? It, it's it's a stopgap. Yeah. So employees who appreciated that that was a stopgap, that wasn't an issue. The employees that didn't appreciate that and felt that that should be the way it go, should go going forward because it's easier, it's easier and not have to do as much. Sure, those are the ones who who, who did who did make complaints and there was a, and normally organisations would go okay well if you can't can't do that can't perform the inherent requirements of the position you don't want to do this that's fine let's let's you know, move on. Most organisations kept them a bit longer because of recruitment issues. Okay, so if you think about it, it's, it's like a pretzel. It, it's it's like a spider web. It's all it's all connected. And unfortunately, sometimes it's just going to implode, and that's why it manifests into to complaints and claims. But that's just a good example yeah. of how someone felt that that they themselves could do a better job from home. The employer just completely disagreeing. For, for good reason, instead of the employee just going, okay, well, you know, I'm out, the employee is forced to terminate their employment and then a dismissal claim. Now, that they lost, that employee lost, and so the employer won, but just goes to show. Um, yeah, there's a situation. bit of a stress for, you know, employers and employees as well, so yeah, yes, it goes through that yes. process. Absolutely. Yeah. You speak about the, the spider web and how it's all interconnected. Yep. Um, in talking about performance ordinarily it's very individual focused mm-hmm. you know you look at the the one employee um but what about team performance and where as you say if someone got sick and there was increased pressures be- on the team because they had to make up for, for that additional per- or that person yeah. that was away yeah. yeah um did that then become something that was discussed around performance as well and performance management where this manifests a lot is in the managers themselves and the leadership teams so what we're seeing now currently is a, so people talk about the great resignation okay maybe where i see a lot is key personnel resigning sure more money another organization potentially plays a part sure i think also a lot to do with we're going to give you x amount of resources we're going to give you a team to work with i think that's a bigger draw card you know and so uh, having situations where people are sick and ill and not being replaced, uh, you know, not, not being replaced as in that resource not being replaced mm-hmm. or people leaving and that resource not being replaced or quick enough, still trying to reach the same budget or the same productivity measures. Yeah. 
is causing a massive strain. Yes, on the workers to, to some extent, but I think most of the time on managers. And what we're also seeing, which is really, not, I would say unique, is what we call upward bullying, where we're seeing subordinates bully upwards to their managers knowing that they need to keep them for, for whatever reason, let's say a project yeah. or et cetera. And that's causing problems. Right. And, and that, of course, manifests usually into some sort of mental illness or something like that, mm-hmm. right? That, that's, that's a big issue, yeah. So we're seeing a lot of that where organisations are forced to potentially do things that they normally wouldn't do in normal circumstances. That potentially would relieve itself a little bit later in the year, but right now that's the situation they're dealing with. Probably I would like to ask you about some changes that have been in, um, put in place from Fair Work about uh, casual employee um, can you tell us a bit more about it and when that has changed and what sort of changes have been come in place? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a number of casual employment uh, changes. Um, there's the uh, casual information, casual employee information sheet. There's also a a requirement to offer um, uh, potential permanency as well. Um, there are changes to certain awards as well. Um, so. Uh, the clerk's award, um, in particular, that's, that yep. covers administration staff. Uh, that's that's got some changes around uh, casual staff, um, and also there is a requirement, just in administration in particular. But there's other awards as well where you need to, in some respects, ensure you have a timesheet um, in terms of knowing what what times are actually working. Now, for most organisations, that's relatively easy. You've got clock in, clock off, yeah. something like that, just for really more for people being in the office. Like that's yeah. relatively easy or, or, or working from home, for example. Um, then for some others, they have to implement a Bundy clock. Okay, yeah. sure, you have to do that. Um, and then for some others, they just have to um, implement something specifically for, that, for those uh, employees. What brought all this about has been a number of, cases involving um, uh, casual employment and a very massive push from, in particular, trade unions yep. to get rid of or eradicate as much as possible, as possible uh, casual employment. Um, the original intent of casual employment was to have these really uh, you know, one-off, flexible-type employees who would come in and do a shift and yep. go, and then you might bring them in couple weeks later and that was about it obviously that's evolved and you have these more what they call regular casual employees and in particular what's brought about this is regular and systematic casual employment now there's ramifications in long service leave um, that we all know about but there's also these ramifications around uh, potentially having to offer these employees uh, permanency which is going to cause some major problems with some organisations in regards to their budgets in particular. Yeah, yeah those one manufacturers or in seasonal industries, Correct. that really depends on just one part of the season of the year, so they can't That's really correct. heavily depend on full-time employees. They can kind of transition into the part-time positions. Yes, but yes. Yeah. It's, it's difficult for organisations to wrap their head around. We've got quite a few organisations that are dealing with um, pay audits, for example, and... and wage audits on these particular issues. Uh, and 
intermixed with that is enterprise agreements as well, um, which are potentially some of them are quite old. But what all I can say to employers is they really need to um, obtain advice from uh, an employment law firm, from their accountants around uh, the, the casual employees. And in particular, if they've got a lot of long-term casual employment, a lot of regular systematic casual employment, how they're going to deal with the potential issues around permanency. Now, some employees, that's not going to necessarily be an issue, but it will be for some. The other thing I'd probably say is uh, the other issue that those probably those organisations will also have to deal with is if you they likely have contract uh, employ, casual employees, they probably involve themselves in contractor arrangements as well. So that's the other thing that I'll be saying is you can't just fix it up by saying, hey, now you're going to be contractors. Like that's yeah. that's not the, the easy path because that's not an easy path in itself. Like there's sham contracting and all that type of stuff as yeah. well. It's it's better to get the advice about how you're going to plan your workforce as sure. opposed to going down another another year or two and then the ombudsman or, or a union come back and say, actually, um, we've got a couple of members. We believe there's a problem here. And then they utilise that as a campaign to get in and get membership and all of a sudden you've got, you're stuck in an enterprise agreement, okay? Or, or an ombudsman where if they, don't, if they don't see it rectified and they see some publicity around it or there's a profile to the company, they will use you as an example yeah. and they will sue you and then publish that mm. for the, the sole purpose of, of publishing for those penalties. And if they're going to do that, they're definitely going after penalties and most likely individual penalties as well. So, you know, directors, HR, the internal accountants, payroll, and then anyone else has advised them on, on this on this uh, planning, although lawyers haven't been sued yet, but, you know, <laughs> maybe like consultants, for example, they have been held responsible. And um, I suppose yeah, for those businesses without structured HR and employment law uh, considerations, uh, what would be your sort of suggestion uh, they're supposed to do? Uh, yeah. Um, it, 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 that's a really tricky one because I understand for a lot of organisations that don't have that, it's for a reason. Um, it's because maybe they're in still in a growth phase or early growth phase. Uh, maybe they've just obtained you know, a massive contract with a, with a government organisation and you know, things are just going really quickly and they've grown really quickly. I get that, but this liability and risk, it just grows with every passing week. Not uh, burying your head in the sand and ignoring it, that's not an excuse under the law. To be honest, the law probably takes a, takes a much more meaner application to that. So what I would suggest is have, just have a, have a general think. Look at your contracts and your policies are they even, you know, are they even proper? Yeah. Have a look at that first. Yeah, Self-forward it to your business, yeah. That's right. That's a, that's a good first one, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of time when you're going for, for, for tenders, for example, you know, most, most will actually look at that as, as part of the audit process. So potentially you, you need to get that done anyway. Um, and then the second part I'd say is, okay, well, if you look at that and you go, these things need to have a bit of a look, then you know, go, go, go see a, um, an employment law firm. I mean, lawyers for employers, I mean, we're, we're pretty good, so yeah. you could have a look at us. But, uh, you know, an employment law specialist law firm that works on this all the time, because if that is, is a bit of a weakness, it's likely that other things such as, you know, managing performance and all those other issues are going to be more prevalent. And I suspect 
there are probably issues in the hori- on the horizon, such as dealing with major work cover um, disputes or claims, um, dealing with injury and illness as well, sure. and then of course your general complaints that's going to come out of this. So that's what I would say to to, to employers. You know, if, if you don't have one in place, okay, all right, you know, you, you can't always afford it. Yeah. That's fine. But if you're growing real fast and you're doing all and happens, have a look at that first. Now, if you look at it and go, Oof, I just got that off the internet sometime. I don't remember. It might have been from somewhere in America that's not even useful. Okay, it's time to have a review of that because at least that gives you an idea of where you're at. A very general review gets you an idea of where you're at. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd add to that as well is for organisations that have probably got that in place, HR teams in particular have been asking us about training. So one of the, like, obviously uh, problem solving, which is litigation and advisory services, is, is our main main areas, of course. Yep. But we focus a lot on, on education. And the whole point is so that HR, uh, consultants, uh, anyone that, that knows us, has the ability to understand what the potential risk and liability is and so they can identify it early on. And if you can do that, then you're going to reduce risk and liability. Hopefully it doesn't turn into a complaint or a dispute or anything like that, but does start with education. So we've been asked by a lot of HR teams to do uh, management training, in particular with management teams and leadership teams. That's helped. That's helped a lot. In particular, focusing on what we call accessorial liability or personal liability. So that's been a real, really good in terms of really switching people's brains on to go, okay, this is the reason why we have to follow this show cause process because if we don't follow it, me personally, yes, the company will get sued, of course, but myself personally, my house could be on the line. My car could be on the line. Okay, maybe my car. The house could be on the line. You know, my holiday house could be on the line. Whatever it is, um, that could be in trouble. So... That's been a, a really key thing that's come out of the pandemic is really get, getting, you know, shifting some of this capability, this management capability, uh, and, and shifting it up upwards as well. Not just relying upon HR as well, like yeah. actually building some capabilities so you can reduce that risk and liability. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, uh, I suppose, the yeah, smaller businesses that we deal mainly with uh, yes. and uh, as business advisors, not many businesses do have... HR team, yep, um, and I suppose they can rely upon sort of those virtual HR yes uh, teams where your business can help and assist as well. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. And <clears throat> we're not there to replace HR teams; we're there to help HR teams. But if you don't have a HR team, usually there's someone that you know, even if it's dire- if it's yeah. the director or the CEO who will at least lead that. That's all we need is to, is to help that person. And then, of course, you build that capability. And maybe you know delegate to someone else or something like that, and you build that from there. But I, I think also one of the things that from this pandemic has showed is there is a need for someone to be responsible for staff management. Sure, like whether it's you call them HR or not, like that's that's fine. But there is a need for someone to be responsible solely for staff management, and that has been one of the key part things that's come out of this pandemic. If you just have a number of people doing it, which is fine, it can it can work. But there needs to be someone, you know, one person or a group of people who will drive that um, management of staff. Yeah. yeah, I do agree with that. Mm. Thank you very much for that. No There's worries. A lot, of, a lot of sort of key takeaways there, especially as we move into more of a workplace that is this new world and and adapting 
further to the working from home, but also the hybrid model of being in the office as well. Um, and I think now that probably businesses and business owners have a lot more time to sort of sit down and, and concentrate on these matters and ensure that everything's in place. Um, I think, yeah, some of those best practice tips there are going to be really useful. So really appreciate you taking the time to, to come in and speak about those. For people out there that are looking for assistance, um, what is the best way to sort of get in contact with yourself? <laughs> um, how can they reach out? Well, um, our website is lawyersforemployers.com.au. Um, but you can call me on 073876 We've got offices in Toowoomba, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Oh, sorry, not Melbourne yet. Um, Cairns and also Harvey Bay. So we're, we are, are spreading as well. Um, and, yeah, you could just uh, look us up on, on, on the website. If you want to book a consult, please get in touch. Uh, yeah, we're happy to, happy to help. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's lovely to have you on the episode today. No worries. Thank you. So, thank um, you. And thanks, Moon. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the chat. Thank you. Thanks. 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 For business owners seeking accounting, taxation, business advisory and superannuation support and assistance, please feel free to get in contact with the advisor team at Archer Gallon Redshaw. Led by Ian Walker, Smiljan Jankovic and Valda Glynn, our firm are a Brisbane CBD-based accounting practice supporting businesses across a variety of industries throughout southeast Queensland and nationally. You can get in contact with our team via the website www.agredshaw.com.au, via email at info at agredshaw.com.au or contacting 073002 2699.